Happy Easter. He is risen. Uh, my name is Tom, and I have the privilege of providing leadership to Restored Temecula as the lead pastor, and I want to welcome you. Uh, thank you for joining us this Easter. Uh, really quick word to Restored Church. I really, really miss you. Uh, I... <laughs> This camera thing is difficult, but I'm grateful that we at least get to engage this way. But like I said, I miss you. I really wish things were different. Um, like, I really wish that we could be together for Easter. Um, this is a really unique time, and uh, I'm confident that God is with us nonetheless, but it's, it's been a struggle. But happy Easter. I miss you. I wish we could be together. For those of you guys that are newer to our church, uh, I want to welcome you as well. Maybe you stumbled upon this message through the hashtag, Jesus Changed My Life. If that's you, I'm so glad that you're tuning in. Welcome. I was praying, actually, for this time, and, and I felt like God said that some of you that are listening um, are experiencing some kind of, like, I don't know, just feelings of being depleted and feelings of, like, almost emptiness. And I also felt like there's other people who are just feeling really heavy, like there's a weight on your back that is quite a bit to bear. Um, and the encouraging part was I really felt like God was saying that he, he wants to meet with you in a really unique and personal way. So hopefully that encourages you. It encourages me to know that God's with us, especially in times like this. So <clears throat> for those of you guys that I haven't met yet, I really wish that we could host you in person for Easter. Uh, I really wish that you could meet our church. Uh, the church is not an event. The church is not a building. It's not something that you go to. It's not a business. It's not a nonprofit organization. The church is the family of God. It's people who relate to each other as brothers and sisters because we relate to God as Father. I wish that you could meet our church, these incredible, amazing people. I wish that you could hear the sound of the people of God praising Jesus on Easter Sunday. There's nothing like it. I wish that you could hear them. There are so many things that are not the way they're supposed to be during this season, this time of the coronavirus. So many things not the way they're supposed to be. But with so much bad news swirling around us during this time, Easter is still incredibly good news. That's what I'm going to talk about. So the really, really good news of Easter. Before I do that, I'm going to pray for just a minute. Feel free to join me. Uh, this might not be kind of real time for you, but it's real time for me, and I need the Spirit of God. If I'm going to do anything that's a blessing to you or of any value, I need Him. So I'm going to ask Him um, to fill me and bless you uh, during this time. So feel free to join me as I pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, I ask you to come now. I ask you to fill my mouth with your words. Um, I want to really love and honor and serve the people tuning in. Uh, and I need you to do that. So please help me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up um, eyes and ears to see you and hear from you and about the goodness and the glory of Jesus and about how amazing Easter is. It's really good news. So would you show us that? Would you reveal that to us? Uh, I love you, Jesus. You're so kind to me. Amen. 
Okay, so we're going to start our time in Matthew chapter 27, actually in verse 62 of that chapter. But before we jump in, I I just kind of want to bring you up to speed with where we are in this portion of the scriptures. Okay, so at this point, right before we're about to jump in, Jesus has been betrayed by a really close friend. Okay, he has been illegally tried in the middle of the night where he is beaten and he's spit on. And he's then sentenced to death as an innocent man. He's then flogged, which if you're not familiar with flogging, it's just basically a really brutal form of whipping. Um, They would tie you to a post and they'd use this whip that had like a handle with a bunch of strands of leather. And at the end of those strands of leather would be hooks and bone fragments and stones. And they'd whip someone and it would go into the flesh and rip out their flesh. It was really gruesome, really brutal form of whipping. So he's flogged. And then a crown of thorns is pressed into his skull. And then he's beaten severely some more. And his beard is ripped out of his face. Then he's stripped naked and he's nailed to a wooden cross where he dies. And after being taken down from that cross, his dead body is placed inside of a tomb. Where a a, a massive stone is put in front of the, uh, the opening, the, the entrance to that tomb. It's put in front to cover that. That's where we pick up here in Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. So you can read along with me. It says this, The next day, which followed the preparation day, this would have been a Saturday, so this would have been the day after Jesus' execution, right? The chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, We remember that while this deceiver, they're talking about Jesus, they they weren't fans of Jesus. Sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said, after three days, I will rise again. So really quickly, get the picture. You have these Jewish religious leaders and they go to the governing authority, the Roman government, right? The the Roman governing authority, the, the leader there, Pilate, they go to him and they tell him that Jesus claimed that he would rise after three days, Let's pick up in verse 64 here. So their their appeal to Pilate is this. So give orders that this tomb be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, Jesus' disciples may come, steal him, and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. Now, really quickly, I want you to keep that word deception in the back of your mind. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 65. You have a guard of soldiers, Pilate told them. Go and make it as secure as you know how. They went and secured the tomb by setting a seal on the stone and placing the guard. Okay, pause for just a second. These guys go to great lengths to secure that nobody has access to this tomb. Okay, let's keep going. After the Sabbath, so that would have been the next day. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to view the tomb. There was a violent earthquake because the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes was as white as snow. The guards were so shaken by fear of him that they became like dead men. The angel told the women, don't be afraid because I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. 
for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and indeed he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Listen, I have told you. So, departing quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, these women, they ran to tell his disciples the news. Just then, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. They came up, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus told them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Okay. Pause for just a moment. Like, I want to acknowledge how sensational this passage is. Okay, there are a lot of things here that are, frankly, they're incredible. Uh, Not the least of which is Jesus being raised from the dead. So what I want to do for the rest of this time is I want to hone in on the statement that the angel makes here in verse 6. He says this, he says, he, talking about Jesus, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. Okay, so let's break that down. He is not here. Um, Let's just be honest. Resurrection is a wild claim. And you need to know that, that Christianity, Christianity, it absolutely falls apart without the resurrection of Jesus. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in the 17th verse, the Apostle Paul, he writes, he basically says that if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, your faith is worthless. Christianity, it rests on this premise that a real person, Jesus of Nazareth, a man who claimed to be God, that he was murdered on a cross, that that his dead body was placed inside of a tomb, and three days later, he isn't there. But, hear me say this, it's not just a disappearance. He is not here. He has risen. The claim of Christianity, it's it's not a disappearance. It's it's a resurrection. It's it's life after death. It's not like this idea of of living on in the hearts and the minds of other peoples. It's, it's, it's It's a physical life after death. Uh, I remember, I remember the very first time that I, that I like really experienced the, the sting of death. Uh, when I was a teenager, um, my grandfather, he, he, suddenly, um, he suddenly got cancer and it was bad. It escalated really quickly. And um, even though it escalated really quickly, I was just so fortunate um, to have the opportunity to, to see him one last time in the hospital. We knew it was terminal. We knew it was really bad. And I, I got to go see him in the hospital. I got to spend time with him. I got to say goodbye to him, knowing it was the last time I was going to see him. And I remember, I remember walking into that hospital room. I remember, I can still kind of picture his face. And he looked so frail. And he's, you know, connected to all these machines. And he's weak. And I remember... Um, standing next to him and telling him how much I loved him and how thankful I was that I got to be his grandson. I remember saying goodbye to my grandfather. And listen, I have amazing memories of this man. I can remember, like, (laughs) 
every single Thanksgiving, he would pass out right after dinner. Like he'd tank up on, 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 on turkey and mashed potatoes and gravy and he'd find a couch or a chair somewhere in a family member's house and he would pass out like mouth open snoring by like 4 p.m. It was wild. I remember, I can still picture his face sleeping like that. I remember like him teaching me how to play chess. I remember spending summer vacations with him in his house with my grandmother. I remember his laugh. I remember so many amazing memories with him. My grandfather, he, he, he lives on memories of him that I cherish. They live on in my heart and in my mind. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's amazing. But that's not the idea that we're talking about right now. This idea of living on in the hearts and the mind. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about with Easter. Like, we're talking about a resurrection. We're talking about physical life after death. If you've spent any time uh, reading the New Testament, which is basically the second half of the Bible, uh, you know it's full of stories of people having encounters with the physically resurrected Jesus. I want to share one of those with you right now. Uh, Back in the scripture I just referenced, back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, just before he says that faith is worthless without the resurrection, the Apostle Paul, he writes this to Christians in the city of Corinth, which is modern day Greece, he says this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 3. He says, For I passed on to you as most important what I also received, that Christ, that's Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to over five hundred brothers and sisters at one time. Most of them are still alive, but some have fallen asleep. When it says fallen asleep, it's just basically another way of him saying they've passed away. Verse seven, then, after all this, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as one born at the wrong time, he also appeared to me. So so the apostle Paul here, he's giving specific examples of of hundreds of eyewitnesses who interacted with the resurrected Jesus. Not like memories of Jesus that live on in hearts and minds. The physically resurrected person of Jesus. And he even suggests, he's like, go talk to them about it. Most of them are still alive. History tells us that uh, many of these people were martyred. And if you're not familiar with with martyrdom, what it means is basically you're executed for your faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't die for something that wasn't true. And I don't think that these people would have either. You see, death is a really powerful thing. And death can be like a really scary thing. I mean, it's certainly something that we do whatever we can to avoid. Like, isn't that what we're doing right now with the coronavirus? I mean, seemingly, everything that we as a society are doing right now is an attempt to avoid death for as many people as possible. You see, we as people, we know internally, at the deepest core level, we inherently know that death is wrong. It's wrong. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And the Bible teaches that death is not the way it's supposed to be. It teaches that death is a result of sin, Sin is basically the opposite of God's way. So the outcome of doing things my way instead of God's way, it results in death. 
And as much as all of us, as much as all of us hate death, this, this desire for sin, this desire for my way instead of God's way, it exists inside all of us and it leads to death. James chapter one, uh, starting in verse 13 says this, no one undergoing a trial, a trial like, you know, like a struggle, you know, difficult circumstances, maybe like the coronavirus, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. So, in other words, when selfish desire is acted upon, that's sin, it leads to death. And the Bible teaches that sin has infected the entire planet. You see, sin's kind of like a virus. But the thing about the virus of sin is that its mortality rate is much more dangerous than the virus that we are currently facing. You see, the virus of sin is so powerful that it actually kills everyone infected with it. The virus of sin is so powerful that every single case results in death. The power of sin and death is real, friends. Power can be defined as the capacity or ability to direct or influence the behavior of others or the course of events. If living during the time of the coronavirus has showed us anything, it's the power that sin and death has over people to influence behavior or the course of events. So friends, do you know what the resurrection of Jesus means? Like, like do you know what he isn't here, he has risen means? It means that there's someone more powerful than sin and death. And his name is Jesus. Like, he, he lived perfectly. He, he, he never sinned. The Bible says he was tempted to in every single way, yet without sin. He never sinned. He fought against sin all the way to his last breath, and he defeated it. If the resurrection of Easter is true, it means Jesus has the power over sin and death. Like, he defeated them both. That's amazing. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is amazing. But you know what's even more amazing? What's even more amazing is that he did it just as he said he would. Like, that has some significant implications, okay? For starters, it means he knew exactly what he was doing. Like, this wasn't an accident. He, he wasn't a victim. Jesus says in John 10, no one takes my life from me. I willingly lay it down. Friends, Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission. And he makes really clear what his mission was. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says this, for even the Son of Man, that's Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus' mission was to be our substitute. His mission was to live the perfect, sinless life that you and I never could in our place and to die the death that we deserve for our sin. Like, but why would he do that? Uh, Many of you guys know this, but uh, on March 12th, my eldest daughter... She, uh, she came home from school with a, pretty, with a pretty bad fever. It was kind of, uh, we, were, we were pretty concerned. And um, by the end of the evening, not the end of the evening, I'd probably say right, like afternoon as, be, as the evening kind of, um, as we started to get into the evening, her fever was bad and she was having a lot of trouble breathing. And she was coughing and she was really achy and sore and by the time we put her to sleep, she was exhibiting all of the symptoms of COVID-19. Okay, and keep in mind, this is March 12th. So the following day, March 13th, by the end of that day is when uh, the schools made the announcement that they were closing down in our district. So the timing was like, oh my goodness, what is going on right now? And I mean, this little girl, she's eight years old. She wasn't doing good at all. And to be cautious for her safety and for the safety of our family and our neighbors, like she stayed in her room. In quarantine, there's a little girl in her room and she's not doing because she's hurting, she's sore, she's having trouble breathing, the fever, the whole thing. And I mean, this, she, had a, she had a fever for over two weeks. It was not fun in the least. And an amazing man uh, was in our church was actually, he helped us out to be able to get testing for her. We had a hard time trying to get testing for her, but we were, he was able to, to make that happen for us, which was amazing. And uh, after a couple weeks, and, and the test results came back negative. I was shocked. I thought for sure she had this thing because of the symptoms. Um, thankfully, she's doing great. She's just made a full recovery, and she's doing well. But I remember the first few days that she was experiencing what she was experiencing. And I remember as her dad, I remember like just thinking, I would trade places with her in a heartbeat. Like I would substitute myself in her place in a heartbeat to take that pain away from her. Why? Because she's my girl. I'm her father. I love her. Jesus' mission was to be our substitute. Why would he do that? Love. The greatest love of all. John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in the Bible. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Friends, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was on a mission of love for you and for me. And he did it just as he said he would. Because what Jesus says is actually true. The coronavirus, right? It's exposing so many of the untrue things that we believe as people. The many ways that we're living our lives deceived. 
believing things that aren't true. Like the lie that security is found in money. Man, this virus is exposed that that's a fraud. The lie that our security is found in money or a career or looks or likes. And then we see how fragile life is. Or we see how fragile the economy can be. And we realize none of that's true. Jesus saying that he would rise from the dead and then doing it, it means that God's words are the most true thing that we have. It's the basis for truth. It's the foundation for truth. It's the most true thing there is. And friends, that's what Easter is. Easter is God revealing ultimate truth, not just through words, but through actions. It's both. He reveals ultimate truth, the truth about God, him, and the truth about ourselves, that our sin is so great that God himself had to die for it. But at the exact same time, us as sinners are so dearly and scandalously loved that he was willing and glad to do it. The truth about God is he's more powerful than sin and death. And he's more trustworthy than anything else because he is risen just as he said. So, the question is, do you trust in Jesus or do you trust in something else? In John chapter 6, there is an incredible promise for those who trust in Jesus. John chapter 6, verse 37 through 40 says this. It's the words of Jesus. He says, Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Friends, Jesus is promising those who trust in him and what he has done, okay, above all else. That, that, that means his perfect performance, not religion, Okay, not trying to earn favor with God, the perfect performance of Jesus. Those who trust in his perfect performance, not religion. Those who trust in what he says, not what culture says, not what your internal desires say. Jesus, what he says. Those who trust in what he's done and what he says. Jesus is promising that those people will share in his resurrection. That means new life with him today in eternal life with him forever. So, do you want Jesus? He clearly wants you. If, if you do, if you do want Jesus, if you want to receive his, his gracious love, if you want to receive his invitation to be your savior, to, to, to be your Lord, you can do that in this very moment. It's simple. You engage with him. You pray. Jesus, like, 
I receive your grace. Jesus, I, I don't just acknowledge that you're real. Like, I trust in you. That's what biblical belief is. It's trust. Jesus, I trust in you by receiving and by, by, by taking in your free gift of grace, your for forgiveness of my sin. Jesus, I want you. I want you to be my Lord. I want you to call the shots of my life. And I want and need you to save me. Save me from sin and death. Now, for some of you, this truth, it's not new. But you've been living as though it's not true. Like these past few weeks, they've been eye-opening. They've been eye-opening because you've realized you've been living a deceived life. See, Jesus, he invites you to trust what he says once again. It's that never-ending grace, that never-ending forgiveness, that never-ending invitation to be with him, to follow him, for him to be your Lord. It's that never-ending invitation to believe the truth once again. So here's what I want to do. I just want to pray an Easter blessing over you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening. Let's pray. God, you are infinitely wise. You're infinitely gracious and loving and patient and forgiving and faithful. And we say thank you for the reality of Easter, for the truth that it is. But the tomb is empty. You're not there. You've risen just as you said. Thank you for that beautiful truth. Thank you for what it means for us. Thank you for what it reveals about who you are. I pray blessing over every single one of us that the truths of the resurrection of Jesus would transform every area of our lives. It would transform the way that we live, the way that we interact with each other, and most importantly, the way we interact with you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So, if you are embracing Jesus today, our church just wants to bless you. Uh, we, we, we actually have a care package for you. It's, it's got like a really nice Bible. It's got some other helpful resources. Um, and if you're outside of the Temecula Valley, like we would love to help connect you to a local church nearby, wherever you are, where you can grow and you can thrive and enjoy Jesus together in community. We're created for community. Um, we all need community following Jesus together. So we want to help you with that. Um, <clears throat> so if that's you, uh, maybe you're on the website now, but you can just go to our church's website. It's restoredtemecula.com slash Easter 2020. You can go there and you'll see right at the top of the page, there's a button that says, I want Jesus. Just go ahead and click that and we would, we would love um, to bless you and, and care for you however we can. So God bless you. He is risen just as he said. I hope you have a wonderful and happy Easter. Take care. Know that you're loved. Thank you.